Welcome to session two. Glad you could join me again for this. We are in the Old Testament book of Jonah, and today we're going to be in Jonah chapter two. So uh, in our last session in Jonah chapter one, uh, we found out that Jonah was running away from a missionary assignment from God. He gets on a boat and trying to escape from God. However, God sends this huge storm to sea that basically shakes the boat up and threatens to sink the ship. And so um, the men on the boat, the sailors, along with uh, Jonah, are trying to figure out like whose God uh, is offended. And, and they basically find out that it's Jonah's fault. And they ask Jonah, what do they need to do? And Jonah basically says, if you throw me into the sea, the storm will come down. You'll be able to go on your way and God will deal with me. And so uh, in chapter two, at the end of chapter one, the men, the sailors on the boat prayerfully and fearfully beg God's forgiveness before they throw Jonah and they and they throw Jonah into the water and the storm calms down. The storm calms down and the sailors sail away. Now, Jonah is stuck in the water and he is in some serious trouble. He, he's in the water, he's battling the waves and he's possibly starting to sink. And that's when the most famous feature of this story comes in. And it's at the end of Jonah chapter one. Jonah chapter one, verse 17 says this. It says, right as Jonah was in the water, it says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And so now um, all of chapter two, Jonah chapter two, which we're going to look at today, uh, that we're going to talk about is, is basically Jonah recounting for us um, what his experience was like during those moments when he was sinking and what he prayed to God while he was in the belly of the fish. Now, uh, if you're trying to figure out you know, um, scientifically or biologically, like, how is it possible? How, how could Jonah have survived for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? Like, how's that possible? Uh, let, let me just say this. Um, this was an act of God. Like, like this was a miracle. For me to try to explain how it's possible that Jonah could have survived in the belly of the fish would be like me trying to explain how it is Moses split the Red Sea into two or how Jesus could walk on water. I can't because it's an act of God. It's a miracle where God steps in and does something that's supernatural. And so with that said, um, let's jump right into chapter two. In fact, in chapter two, there is a big idea, really a summary of the whole thing we're going to study today, uh, which is summed up in this statement. And it's this, that God hears you even in the darkest places of life. That's what we're going to learn in Jonah chapter two, that God hears us even in the darkest places of life. And in this chapter, we're going to learn that there are three dark places in life where you can sometimes sink to where where God's compassion can still reach. I'll give them to you and we'll spend the rest of our time together in this session discussing each one. They all start with W. So uh, God hears us when we're stuck in the waves. God hears us when we're caught up in the weeds and God hears us when we're caught up in the whale. I'll explain what each one of those mean as we go along. But let's talk about first how God hears our prayers in the waves, because that's where Jonah is. Right. Jonah, chapter two, verse one to four says from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, 
In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents. He's talking about the waves. The currents swirled about me. All your waves and all your breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. So um, in these four verses, uh, Jonah is basically telling us um, about those few moments, what happened after the sailors who threw him over, what happened after they sailed away and he was left alone, all alone in the water. He's telling us what was happening as he was in that water, watching them sail away and the waves are crashing over him and very possibly starting to pull him underwater. And for Jonah, in that moment, he assumes that this was his moment of death. Like Jonah assumed like, man, I'm, I'm dead. Like, this is it. You know, um, I had uh, I had a similar experience in my life like this where I almost drowned. In fact, it was not just me, but me and my brother and my sister. It happened in Lagos in 1993. I was living in Nigeria at the time we were in Lagos and we had gone to uh, Badagri Beach. I don't I think it was I forget what the holiday was, but we went to Badagri Beach in Lagos in 93. My brother and sister, my older brother and younger sister, we were in the water at Badagri Beach and we were playing on the shore. The waves were coming to our feet. And, you know, of course, when you're playing at the beach, you think you're getting getting bolder and you want to keep going more. And so uh, while my brother and sister were, my, my, myself and my brother were playing, we all of a sudden noticed that we couldn't see our, our little sister. And when we looked up, she wasn't all the way in, but we saw that she was starting to get a little further into the water and she was bopping in and out of the waves, like, like out of control. So immediately my brother and I, like, we know that she's in trouble. She's drowning. So, so very quickly, uh, my brother and I ran up to her and to, to go try and help her. And as soon as we got to her, we got caught up in something called a rip tide. So a rip tide is basically when the, when the water, when the ground starts to basically move under your feet or, or the ground is not steady and the waves start to pull you. So if you're swimming this way, it's pulling you back. And so it just got messy. And all of a sudden, myself, my older brother and my little sister were caught in this rip tide. And so we start to sink. Like, I mean, we're going, the waves are crashing over us. And, and unfortunately, none of us can really swim. Back then, we couldn't swim very well. And so we start to sink. We start to go under. And the funny thing, well, it's not funny now, but it's funny now, it wasn't funny then, is that there were people on shore who were looking at us and pointing, and I'm like, come help us. But we were going underwater, we were sinking, the waves kept pounding, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, wow, like, is this how I'm going to die? I mean, because it felt that way, like I had no control, couldn't swim, we were sinking. And I remember also praying in that moment, I didn't say it out loud because the water was getting in my mouth, but I thought, I said, Lord Jesus Please save us. That's all I remember praying. And about one second after I prayed that, all of a sudden, um, remember we're sinking, right? There's no, all of a sudden I felt solid ground under my feet. It was the weirdest thing ever. I felt solid ground under my feet and we were still holding each other. And so all three of us holding each other, I, I pushed ourselves up because as soon as I touched the ground, I pushed ourselves up and we all came up above water. And as soon as we came up above water, this huge wave comes and pushes us back to the shore pushes us back to the shore and, and our feet touched ground and we all stumbled and we just, you know, we came out of the water, we were fine and we just sat there and we were thinking, my goodness, this could have ended up a lot worse than it did. I shared that story to make the point that people don't come back from where Jonah was when he was in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea after he had been thrown into the water. 
Like it wasn't like he could swim back. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere in the middle Mediterranean Sea. And Jonah says himself, he, he was sure that because of his rebelling, he was, he was sure in his mind that God had forsaken him. He says in verse four, he says, I have been banished from your sight. You see, Jonah is thinking, well, I've sinned against God. There's no coming back. I'm all done for. But in spite of his fear and in spite of his panic, he also says at the end of verse four, he says, but yet I will look again towards your holy temple. So it's a weird combination. It's kind of like me. Like one moment I'm thinking, wow, we're all about to die. And the next moment I'm saying, Jesus, save us. That's what Jonah is doing here. So listen to this. Um, if, in, if disobedience to God in your life or, or perhaps a, a series of unwise decisions that you have made have landed you in some real trouble where it literally feels like you have, you have you know, crossed the line of no return or, or you feel like you have been cast away from God's presence, understand this, that there is no depth to which you can sink where God's mercy and God's grace cannot reach. Let me say that again. There is no depth to which you can sink to where the grace and mercy of God does not reach. Like if you could hear Jonah's prayer, despite his rebellion, I mean, like, like if God could hear Jonah's prayer, in spite of the fact that he rebelled against him and God answered him, then understand that God is still the gracious God. God is still the compassionate God who rescues Jonah. And God is still the God who hears your prayers, even in the darkest places of life. So God hears your prayers in the waves, like those things that are that are throwing you about. And then God hears your prayers in the weeds. So um, the waves describes those times in your life when it feels like everything is crashing around you. Well, the weeds is referring to those moments where you those moments of loss, when you feel like you have lost or are losing everything you have relied on. Right. When when those when it feels like things are being choked out of your life. Look at verse five of Jonah chapter two. Jonah explains what happens next. He says, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. And then he gives this little detail. He says, seaweed, seaweed was wrapped around my head and to the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. So uh, I think at this point, Jonah, it's clear to us that Jonah has begun to sink, right? He's at the bottom, right? He's, he has sunk deep enough that the weeds, right? The, the, the plants, the weeds at the bottom of the seafloor have wrapped their, they've somehow wrapped around. I mean, he's just caught. Like picture him, he's at the bottom of the water. He's caught up in weeds. They're trapping him. They're choking the last breath in his lungs. I mean, at this point, there's no rescue. Right. There's there's no rescue, at least when he was above water trying to float. There was the possibility that a boat could still come back. But man, here like he's I mean, he's literally only seconds away, you know, from some angel coming to take him to heaven. So once again, this is a good time to make this next point, And it's this. And I think I said this in the first session, but it's worth repeating again. If you insist on being disobedient to God's clear instruction, 
And if you continually reject every attempt by God to turn your life around, God will very well let you have your way so that you can experience the consequences of your rebellion. And unfortunately for some of us, sometimes that's what it takes to finally get our attention. In fact, one of the prayers that I often pray for people as a pastor, I love, you know, if I'm counseling someone and, and their parents are counseling them, their friends are counseling them and they're not listening, what I'll often pray, I'll say, Lord, please let them hit rock bottom. But what I'll say is I said, Lord, let them hit a soft rock bottom so they can bounce back. Because sometimes for some people, they need to get to that extreme for God to turn them around. Now, in Jonah's case, like Jonah has literally hit a watery rock bottom. But even in this watery, dark coffin, God heard his prayers, right? That's what Jonah himself says in verse 6. He says, but you, O Lord, brought my life up from the pit. Like, he's, like, listen, if you have ever had a moment in your life where you went, you, you went someplace further than you ever thought you could go with a sin, Perhaps a moment where you went darker than you thought possible. Perhaps you pushed emotionally, you pushed spiritually, you pushed physically far from God. Understand, understand that because God is gracious and because God is compassionate and God is abounding in love, God will lovingly rescue you. However, you should understand that in those moments of rebellion, God's rescue operation from your sinful choices might not be comfortable or convenient. Did you get that? Like when you press in and you just insist on doing your thing, God may rescue you, but it's not going to be fun and you're not going to enjoy it. In fact, it may cost you a little. And that brings us to the third place. God hears us. God not only hears us in the waves, God not only hears us in the weeds, but God hears us in the whale. And I use the word whale I mean, because the other two points started with W, so I just wanted to be consistent. But in verse six, the latter part of verse six, right as the weeds, right as the weeds at the bottom of the sea were choking out the last breath from Jonah's lungs. Jonah says, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. So um, based on the change of tone in Jonah's prayer, it, it, it suggests that it was at this very moment that this great fish showed up to swallow Jonah. You know, um, I, the funny thing is, if you've ever seen um, an artist draw pictures of Jonah in the belly of a fish, they often try to play on it where they'll draw Jonah sitting in the belly of a fish with a campfire and he's cooking, you know, like fish. It's like, it's ridiculous, right? Because uh, first of all, like picture Jonah, like, like he's at the bottom of the sea. He, he's about to lose his final breath, right? Um, imagine the fear and the terror that must have gone through his body and his mind while he's drowning. And all of a sudden this huge fish shows up and swallows him. Like if he wasn't afraid of dying five seconds ago, oh, he's afraid now. Secondly, think about just the physical experience that Jonah would have had in the belly of the fish. Let me go through a few. Um, think about the fact that it would have been incredibly dark in the belly of that fish for those three days and three nights. I mean, it's not like the fish has a light switch or a lantern. It's completely dark. Jonah would have been experiencing something known as vertigo. 
So vertigo sometimes happen when you're underwater and you don't know where up is or down is or sideways. It's confusing. So he would have had that. Obviously, it would have been cold. It would have been wet. Jonah would not have been able to move around because he would have been he would have been constricted by the uh, muscles from the um, fishes, the, the stomach muscles of the giant fish. He couldn't, you know, probably couldn't breathe very well because, you know, there's not like there's no fresh air in the belly of a fish. If you've ever have you ever smelled bad fish? Yeah, that's what it may have smelled like. Jonah would have had to shut his eyes tight and close his mouth tightly shut because, you know, the stomach juices in the belly of the fish would have caused his skin to be. I mean, it was it, basically it was a terrible experience. I could go on and on. But it was a terrible experience. Yet. How else do you rescue someone at the bottom of the sea? Because and listen, while, while the fish may have been scary and terrifying, think about the alternative. If this fish had not shown up to swallow Jonah when it did, what would have happened to Jonah? He would have drowned. So as you can see, the fish was actually God's rescue operation. It was an act of God's mercy, which once again reminds us this big idea that God hears our prayers even in the darkest places of life. We're going to continue uh, this story in the next session, in session three, and we're going to find out what happens to Jonah when he gets back on dry land. But between today and tomorrow, I want to give you another challenge, right? So yesterday I gave you a challenge about confession. Um, Today I want to give you another challenge that has to do with confession. So yesterday I challenged you in your own personal time to confess your sin to God based on 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Um, Today, my challenge is going to come from James chapter 5, verse 16. And here's what it says. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So um, if there is something, a dark shame in your life or a guilt that you've been carrying for sin or a sin you've been carrying all these years, after you have confessed it to God, like we talked about yesterday in your personal time of prayer, the next step is to confess it to another Christian that you know. Now, let me be clear about this and let me caution you. The Bible doesn't say stand in front of the church and confess your sin. The Bible doesn't say stand in front of your whole school and confess your sin. The Bible doesn't say get on the Internet and post your sin online. No, it says confess it to one another. So the idea is that find another Christian who knows you, who has spent time with you, who you trust, uh, perhaps a pastor or a friend or or just another Christian, um, someone who has poured into your life and sit with them and say, listen, hey, I've confessed my sin to God. I just want to confess it to you, okay? Because this is what scripture tells me to do. Now, if somebody comes to you and confesses a sin like that, your responsibility is not to go tell everybody. Rather, the Bible says when we confess our sin to one another, the next step is you pray for the person who just confessed their sin to you. Pray that they would walk in the peace of God. Pray that God would help them not return back to that old lifestyle. Pray that God would keep them from carrying the weight of the guilt of Satan. And pray that the peace of God would settle on them. And scripture says you should do this so that why? So that you may be healed. And that looks different for every person, depending on your situation. So that's my prayer for us today as we wrap up, that you would you would not only take your sin to God like we talked about in session one, but you would confess your sin to one another so that you may experience the healing of God. 
God bless you guys. I'll see you in session three. <laughs>